You're now listening to the Hudson Valley Transmitter Podcast. Welcome to our fourth episode. I'm Mark Gerlach. Today I speak with artist Mark Darnabin. He's someone I've known for many, many years. Uh, since we were kids, horsing around in the sixth grade, causing trouble. Uh, he's a solid guy, a genuinely nice guy. And we reconnected a few years back. I didn't know he was an artist, uh, to be honest, until I saw some of his images floating around on Facebook. And uh, he does really cool images of uh, he does monsters and ships and occult type images. And I have some of his work in my office, uh, which I really like, um, including a painting that I picked up of a, a coffin, um, which is really fucking cool. Uh, he also did our August 2016 cover, uh, which is, um, it was a painting of his skull and inside was like the cosmos and, uh, stars and space, uh, which was awesome. So we're glad we were able to partner on that. Um, it was a great issue. His work, uh, has been featured in gallery 66 in cold spring and, and at, uh, catalyst gallery here in beacon. Uh, while he was in the studios, we, we talked about heavy metal and tattoos, art, uh, growing up in the Hudson Valley and uh, getting older. It's interesting to see people, you know, as a kid, uh, you know, growing up. Uh, he's recently married to his wife, Cassie. Uh, they have a baby on the way and uh, re- recently uh, bought a house. Uh, so getting older is is actually pretty cool when you think about it. Congrats on all the great stuff happening in your life, Mark. And uh, really, it was cool cool talking with you. Glad to have you on the podcast. So without further ado, uh, here's my talk with my good friend, artist Mark Darnabit. Mark, I've known you since... Sixth grade? Yeah, was that about twenty years? Wow, it's close, a long time. Close to twenty years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so you're a teacher currently. I am a teacher. I work out in uh, Middletown, New York. Um, this is my eleventh year, so that is that is my day job. That is what I do to officially make a living. What do you teach? Um, I teach. Um, well, I've taught a few things so far. Um, I've taught. English, reading, literacy classes, but um, primarily I teach uh, seventh and eighth grade social studies, which is essentially um, the U.S. history from uh, North America's earliest settlers right up into until what happened, you know, in the news yesterday. So, and did you have a, a passion for history growing up, or were you into history classes? You, you know, I don't recall ever really having a specific passion for history um i don't i can't tell you when i decided that being a social studies teacher is what i wanted to do um i think when i was in college as an undergrad just like you know just like everybody uh i started to develop an interest in politics uh local politics american politics and world politics and um i really think that I kind of started from there and maybe branched out, you know, and, and kind of sent out my, you know, my feelers and, and figured out, um, 
you know, what I wanted to learn about, what interested me. And, you know, I think that was kind of what really started it as more of a, you know, less of a casual interest and more of something that I kind of wanted to, you know, spend some serious time learning about and developing an understanding of. Did you ever consider running for office? I have never, <laughs> you know, I I always... I had this cynical idea, um, and I'm probably wrong. Well, I, I know that there are a couple. Um, there's a couple. Uh, there's a couple that stand out um, who are contrary to this idea. But I kind of have this idea that all of the people in the world that are probably qualified to run our world are smart enough to not get into the world of politics. You know, um, I think they're. You know. Uh, and again, this is going to sound pretty cynical, but I think most of the people that have made it really far in the world of politics have some uh, are not necessarily doing it for the most righteous and uh, noble reasons. So, um, you know, and I don't think that they do as well as other people could. So, you know, I kind of, uh, you know, uh, you know, it's just uh, I think I'm a pretty thin skinned person, too. So I don't think that I could handle, uh, you know, all the stress and the issues. Um we were just watching an episode of Parks and Recreation and the ladies trying to start a park, you know, build a park in a, in a giant pit. And uh, she's got nothing but, you know, you know, uh, what she thinks are great ideas for all the right reasons. But, you know, as soon as she goes public with it, she faces nothing but, you know, uh, you know, people that are trying to shut her down. So I thought, you know what, this is probably pretty close to what it's really like, no matter how you know, noble your aspirations are, there are people out there that are going to say, nope, you know, you right. need to be stopped. This person's evil. This right. is going to ruin the country or the community or the state or whatever. So, no, I'd rather just, you know, I'll stick with being a social studies teacher mm. and uh, where as far as my students know, I'm nothing but right. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of people that I would vote for that, uh, like Joan Jett, I always say, I would vote for her if she was yeah. running for office. But, you know, like yeah. you say, those people that uh, make a decision not <laughs> not right. that she ever considered yeah. entering politics but it's just she's just someone i admire i'm like you know and i appreciate her thoughts on things sure know? but yeah i think that um you know one uh you know what stands out is being contrary to what i'm saying you know uh like him or hate him i think ralph nader mm -hmm. is a guy who has literally dedicated his entire life to his cause and um you know has been nothing but scandal free and has obviously you know, he's doing what he's doing because he believes in his his mission. Mm -hmm. You know, he's not placating to a any special interest groups or right. he's not, you know, he's just doing what he honestly believes is best for the people of the United States of America. Mm -hmm. And look where it got him. So, yeah. you know, <laughs> but. Um, so when did you realize that you knew how to paint and when did you start painting? Because it, it was later on, right? It, it was later on. Um well, is I st I guess it's a two part question. Um, I started painting. I think sometimes I use Instagram to to base my progress. I'll look at when I made my first painting. You know, the first painting that I shared with people I made maybe about three years ago or so, um, and I was really proud of it. I'm still proud of you know a lot of that stuff that I did early on. I didn't realize what risks I was taking and stuff like that. Um, but I you know. I would always draw as a kid, but I never looked at anything and said, that's a finished piece of art. That's something that I created. It would right. always just be a drawing. So I think painting for me 
was you know what I had it what I had to do in order to you know finalize something um and I still don't really think that I know how to paint <laughs> um I've just kind of you know I I paint primarily with watercolors and some liquid acrylics and stuff like that but um I you know I never uh I never sat down with any uh instruction to uh to tell me, you know, uh, how to do what I'm doing. I've picked up pointers here and there, you know, I've watched people over their shoulders. I've had discussions with friends who are artists, but, um, but I still don't know if what I'm doing is what other people are doing. You know, I don't know if, uh, if, um, if what I'm doing is, <laughs> I don't know if I'm, if I'm doing it right, as silly as that might sound. Like I'm always happy with the finished product, but I always have this idea that, if somebody who really knew what they were doing was looking over my shoulder when they were doing it, they'd say, oh, this guy's, this guy's a hack, you know, he's got, you know, I'm exposing this person. He's got no idea. But I, I did, um, I did just get a magazine in the mail about, um, uh, uh, some, some adult level college courses and, you know, just, uh, um, there were, there were a couple classes on, uh, painting with watercolors and stuff like that and um i was looking through this magazine and there was a beginner's class um where i'm guessing they probably teach foundational skills and there's some advanced classes and i still can't quite figure out if i want to sign up for the beginner's classes or sign up for the um for the you know, for the more advanced stuff. I don't know if I'm going to get into those classes and be completely left behind or if I'm going to get in the beginner's classes and just you know, say to myself, oh, this is a waste of my time, you know, mm. but I'm glad that I did it the way that I did. I'm glad that I didn't start off with somebody telling me, you know, this is what you need to be doing. This is how you do it. And in the other way is just wrong or whatever. Cause I feel like, you know, if you're going to create something, figure out, you know, figure out how you want to do it and then, you know, get set in your ways almost. And then, you know, take what you can from the, uh, the learned community mm. and, and maybe add that in to, you know, help push me along a little bit. Well, you know, there's always someone who could show you maybe how to do something better. Exactly. But is that what makes art, though, is that kind of unconventional way? There's no rigid mold. It's kind of what you feel and what you create. Yeah. You know, there's no right or wrong. Yeah, that's what I was thinking with it. I was thinking that, you know, maybe I'll I'll just start off, you know, getting my ideas out there, trying to figure out ways to do what it is that I want to do. And then eventually maybe I'll tap into the, uh, you know, to the to the people that actually know how to um you know that understand the mechanics of it mm -hmm. and maybe you know i'll just take what i can learn from them and just expand upon what i've taught myself you know i'll just uh maybe you know there's something that i can't quite get out there myself maybe if i you know maybe if i uh you know with what i've got maybe if i take from them then maybe i could you know push myself a little bit you did our august yeah. issue cover yeah uh, which was really cool it was a skull it's actually yeah, that skull, yeah. and it has uh cosmos inside or stars yeah that's how i describe it is the, the cosmos yeah that's yeah that's appropriate that's uh, what i would say yeah description but what i mean what's the meaning behind something like that and how'd you get the idea for that um you know i was with something like that i was you know i started painting kind of cosmic and cosmic scenes you know just with uh really saturating paper with uh watercolors and then just kind of waiting to see what it was going to look like when it dried and i just really liked the way it looked so i was trying to think of uh you know i was 
I was thinking, you know, how could I, uh, you know, what could I do with it now that I found this kind of this technique that I liked and I was just, I kind of got uh, interested in, you know, like uh, doorways and things like that. It seems like kind of a, almost a popular thing right now where people will draw or paint a doorway with kind of the unexplained or the the beyond uh, on the other end of it. And I just thought it would look, I thought it would fit nicely onto a skull. So, um, you know, as far as an interpretation of what it meant, I haven't really uh, spent a whole lot of time thinking about it. I just thought it was kind of an attractive idea that, uh, you know, I would I would put on paper and then come up with a clever explanation later on, but I, I haven't gotten that far yet. But I was honored when you asked if uh if you know, if if I could come up with something for the August issue and, you know, I was I was happy that you took something that was an idea that I came up with, you know, on my own and said this, you know, this is a great idea. I'd love to use it. So it was really cool. It's a really cool image. Um you do a lot of skulls. Yeah. Ships. Yep. Monsters. Yep. I mean what's kind of the inspiration for that and what attracts you to those types of images? Um, I think I started going, you know, I, 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 I kind of went with, uh, with a nautical or a maritime theme kind of early on. And, um, I, I guess what kind of put me in that direction has always kind of been my love for, for traveling and exploration, you know, although I haven't, you know, I've been on a few cruise ships, but I'm not like a sailor or anything like that. But, I think that, you know, the uh, like the clipper ships are a great metaphor for, you know, journey, adventure, exploration, you know, uh, travel and things like that. So um, I just thought that was the nicest look to kind of get that theme across. So, um, you know, I kind of went with that. And, uh, you know, I've always had kind of a love for the water and uh, the world that's, you know, kind of beneath the waves. Um, I know that uh, one of my favorite movies of all times is uh Jules Verne's 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea that Disney did in like the 1950s and it was just so cool to 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 watch, you know, a cast of characters just sailing around kind of having these really cool adventures um running into alien like creatures and things like that. So, you know, just kind of a it was it was just kind of a love for biology and the unexplained or the unexplainable and um you know, uh I I think uh, I don't really, you know, I can't really speak to where my love for things like skulls comes from. I guess, you know, some people think it's kind of morbid, but, you know, when you walk down the street, you kind of realize that everybody has one, you know, so yeah. it's like, let's just kind of get used to it. Um, but I just, I think they look great. Uh, I think that they, you know, it doesn't need to be the focal point of a piece of art, but, you know, if I'm ever looking for something to kind of fill a space here or there, you know, it's like, oh, it's put a skull there, you know, you could, you could do them in so many different styles, you know, there's just no one right way to draw a skull. Um, I was looking at old engravings, you know, Albert Durer did some really cool skulls and a lot of his old engravings. And then I was looking at Hellboy comic books where Mike Mignola draws skulls in a very different style, but they're all awesome. They all look super cool. So, um, yeah, and then, you know, just, uh, I guess, you know, I, I draw a lot of monsters. Um, my monsters never look as cool as other people's monsters, in my opinion, but I have such a love for fantasy, science fiction, and horror that I just kind of wanted to, you know, see what I could do as far as, you know, what kind of creatures I can come up with and draw and things like that. Cool. So, yeah. Um, you were married fairly recently. Yeah, May 28th. 2016 congratulations a day that will live on forever yeah. in 
not infamy, happiness, glory. And um, part of the reason why you started cranking out images was yeah. to help fund the wedding. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Um, early on, um, fairly early on, people you know showed a little interest in the stuff that I was making, and I thought, oh, you know, maybe I can. You know, I have a job, I, I have an income, and I'm surviving fine off of that income. And, uh, you know, maybe if, if my art is successful enough, maybe I could take it and um, use my art to kind of put towards, you know, the costs of our wedding. And, it, you know, I think I got started early enough, and I appealed to the uh, soft spots and, you know, a lot of people, and, you know, people wanted to support, and this kind of gave... You know, um, this kind of gave people the opportunity to give us money and get something in return. Yeah. I guess it's kind of like a GoFundMe, you know? It's like yeah. I'm having people, you know, fund my wedding who aren't going to be there or haven't even met my – it was my fiancé at the time. Um, but, you know, they're going to get something in return and they're going to help me, you know, kind of, you know, uh, realize, you know, what we want. So. Yeah, but it's a cool gift. It's a handmade gift. And yeah. It's a one-of-a-kind yeah, you know, thing that uh, you were creating. Yeah, sometimes um, you know people would. I would just paint something, and people would say, "Oh, I think that's really cool. I'd love to have it. Is it for sale?" You know, and I would always sell things. And then other times, people would come to me for commissions, and they would be commissions that were like completely outside of my realm of capability. But uh, you know, I would always give it a shot, and it just never, in my opinion, it never looked as cool as it would have if it was something that I cooked up in my brain. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, people, you know, never, at least never complained in my face about anything they got. And, you know, I always got decent feedback and, you know, people would spread the word and I would get more commissions and stuff like that. So, you know, I've managed to, uh, to reach out and, uh, you know, appeal to a fairly broad audience without any real, you know, marketing or anything like that. Just kind of, you know, social media and word of mouth and stuff like that. Your work has been displayed in uh, a lot of local uh, galleries. Uh, it was in Craft Burger in Poughkeepsie, which isn't a gallery. It's a restaurant, but it's also, uh, yeah. you know, the, you were on display there. Uh, gallery 66 in Cold Springs? In Cold Springs, yep. Um, where are some other places, and where can people check out your work now? Um, I've had some some luck in uh, some local galleries. Um like you said, Gallery 66 in Cold Spring was a great place to show my work. Uh, we were, you know, it was real. Anytime that I get to hang a painting up in a gallery, you know, amongst other, you know, creative people, it's really like a, a big honor. You know, whenever a piece is selected by somebody curating some kind of group show or whatever, it's like, oh, my God, you know, it's great. But um, I've shown I've shown work down at uh, Catalyst Gallery right in Beacon. Mm -hmm. um, so far, it's been my favorite place to show. Um uh, run curated by a great couple, um, John and Erica, really friendly, very approachable, um, you know, no, no, you know, just unpretentious, you know, just a really nice, comfortable place to, to get involved with. Um, I think the first place that I really ever displayed my paintings was, uh, was a uh, a barber shop out in Scranton, Pennsylvania. A friend of mine, you know, Scranton, which in my opinion is such a great little city. Um, they do a, a first Friday um, event in the downtown area where local businesses will display work for works of 
you know, different artists for a month. And um, a friend of mine had mentioned that there was a barber shop down there that was looking for a first Friday artist. And I had, you know, accumulated a pretty big body of work. And I said, oh, you know, you know, barbershop would be a cool place. You know, you have a captive audience. So, um, so I sent an email or a message out to the, to the owners and they said, yeah, we'd love to have you, you know, come on down, you know, bring your art. Um, so, you know, every once in a while it'll pop up someplace public like that. Um, uh, I have, I was given the opportunity to hang, um, some of my work up in, uh, a tattoo shop in, uh, Rosendale in Rosendale, New York, starting in, yeah, I think it's mid June or somewhere around there. So I've been working pretty hard to, to come up with some kind of a comprehensive, uh, collection to display there. Um, but as far as that, my, uh, my work is, you know, mostly displayed through social media, mainly Instagram. Um, I started an Instagram page like five years ago and just Mm -hmm. had no use for it until I started painting and thought, Oh, you know, nobody wants to see my, my cereal or, you know, whatever it is I'm eating today. Let me post, you know, pictures of my work, my painting. So that's primarily the, um, the, uh, the easiest way to see my work, um, I don't have a website. Uh, I think I have my cell phone number on my business cards. I had an Etsy store for a while that I'd like to kind of kick back into gear. But for the most part, I've been pretty good with, you know, being prolific. But I haven't been very good at, you know, getting my work out there. So maybe that's something that I need to work on. Or maybe I can get my wife involved in helping me out with that aspect of it. And uh, you have a baby on the way as well, right? Baby on the way. So um, the next angle will be, you know, uh, if you thought, if you felt good about buying a painting because it was going towards our wedding fund, well, now there's a baby on the way. So, uh, you know, buy a painting so that our baby could have, you know, diapers and, you know, what else do babies need? You know, toys and, you know, iPads and, you know, tattoos and stuff like that. Sure, definitely. All the necessities. Yeah. I said in the beginning of our conversation, I had known you since we were kids. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in sixth grade, um, approximately. Uh, what did you want to be when you were a kid? Oh man, you know, I I think that in my head, um, I had my fantasies and I had my imagination, but I, th- you know, nobody ever told me that I couldn't be the things that I wanted to be. I think right. I just always realized that. I would get to an age where I would just have to, you know, kind of uh, sacrifice all those things, just, be, you know, get, get an actual job. Right. Um, but I was always interested in, you know, um, I was, you know, a sports kid. I still do love playing sports. Um, you know, What'd you play? Uh, I, th- you know, baseball was, in, was, was the earliest. Uh, my father got us involved in ice hockey when we were pretty young. Still playing a men's league from time to time, but have taken some time off because it's just such a crazy schedule. Mm-hmm. So I've kind of backtracked on hockey a little bit. But I played lacrosse in high school, and you know, I didn't, I didn't declare my, um, I didn't declare my major in college until I was like a junior. I didn't really, you know, really think too seriously about what it is that I wanted to do when I grew up. But um, I guess. In a way, uh, my compromise with myself was to find a career that I would be happy with, that I would really enjoy, that would also allow me enough free time to figure out what it is that I want to do with my with myself, you know, beyond, 
having a job. You know, yeah. I think that, um, you know, the more I talk about and think about it, you know, the, you know, I think that, uh, you know, asking somebody what it is, what do you want to do when you grow up doesn't necessarily have to mean what career path do you want to follow? Right. You know, it's like, you know, I guess I'm happy saying, well, I, you know, I'm a teacher, but what I really want to do when I grow up is, you know, read a shitload of comic books yeah. and uh, read cool science fiction fantasy novels and right. travel to cool places and eat great food everywhere that I go, you know? So it, I guess what, you know, just having a, a career that allows me to do those things time-wise as well as financially, that's good enough for me. Like, I don't, you know, being an astronaut or, you know, a hockey player or something would have been cool, but... I guess if I was a professional hockey player, I wouldn't be able to really, you know, do all those other things that I would have wanted to do. So mm. I think I found the right, you know, the right balance there. Cool. Yeah. How old are you? Uh, 32. I am 32, 32. years old. Okay. Yeah. Um, is it weird sometimes thinking like, you know, is adulthood weird, I guess? Yeah. Um, is the question. It's, I think it's, I think what's weird for me is that, uh, I don't know what like what I'm doing wrong, but the weird thing for me is that I've got this guilty feeling that I must be doing something differently than all the other adults because it's not, it's just not as stressful. You know, it's right. like when I look at other adults, they want to talk about I don't know taxes or you know back pain or or uh, you know investing money and stuff like that, and I'm like, not well, really you know, and I'm yeah. it's like I'm 32 years old and. You know, we were, my wife and I were, we were able to, to get married, buy a house, and now we're going to start a family. And it's like, I could still do that and, and arrange my toys on my shelves, you yeah. know, without having to like, you know, really, you know, I get, I guess for me, it, I guess the adult world that I live in is just completely different than the adult world that most people live in. You know, it's like, uh, I don't know. It's just, uh, I, I guess we've, you know, people like. Even you and I, we just kind of create our own adult worlds, you know? It doesn't yeah. have to be the adult world that everybody else lives in. Let's just figure out, you know, how it's going to work for us. Yeah, like well, that. I mean, you kind of touched on it uh, already with, with that. But, you know, what's cool about getting older? And I think, you know, I think it, things, the life becomes exciting regardless of what, you know, part of it you're oh, yeah. in. Right. Just because you're you're older doesn't mean it's less fun. No, no. I think that, you know, I think that. You would probably agree, but, you know, getting older, it's just like, I feel like I'm just sitting on a mountain of great experiences and great memories, you know, things yeah. that I've been able to do or accomplish, you know, it's like, and things that I've been able to look back at and be proud of, you know, that's, that's what, you know, being older has been for me, you know, I mean, traveling, creating things, you know, going to school, getting a job, you know, starting a family, these are all things that I could just, you know... This that wasn't my life, you know, 10, 15 years ago. Right. You know, it's 10, 15 years ago. I was still, you know, figuring things out. But now that I'm a little bit older, I could look back at all those things that I've done and I could say, wow, you know, this is, I guess that's probably the coolest part about being older is, yeah. you know, maybe in a way it's almost like, um, it's almost vindicating to be able to say that now that I'm older, I could look back at all those people who were telling me to do things differently and I could say, here we are, you know, yeah. did it my way and, you know. Still alive, still successful, you know. Definitely, yeah. Um, would you call yourself a tattoo aficionado? Um, I am. I'll call myself a tattoo enthusiast. Okay. Um, I love everything about um, tattoos and the history of tattoos. Um, I love 
reading about old tattooists and uh, even current modern tattooists. Um, there's a uh, there's an exhibit opening up within the next couple. I think it's February third at the Historical Society in New York City, and it's all about the history of tattooing in New York. That's and cool. um, you know, I think that uh, beyond the imagery, I think that the history is is what what makes it so appealing to me. You know, it's got such a great history uh, locally as well as globally. So, you know, um, it's, it's, you know, it's more than just an art form. It's just, you know, it's just, there's a culture there, you know? And I think that's something that's really appealing to me. How many tattoos do you have? (laughs) You know, it's hard to say at this point. Um, I think, it would be easier to just say that my back is clear. I have some spots on my, you know, my my hands and fingers and neck and face are all untattooed. Yeah. But aside from that, I'm pretty much covered. I even got a tattoo on my big toe. So, nice. you know, I just, um, I couldn't even count at this point, but I've, I've managed to collect a lot of tattoos from a lot of really great tattooers, you know. Um, I started, when I started, um, I still remember, I got my first tattoos at, uh, Graceland and Wappingers Falls done by Adam Lorisella. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it was back, you know, 12 or 11 years ago when he had a smaller shop located right by the falls. And, um, you know, I booked an appointment and uh, it was, you know, a few months in advance. And I remember getting a call one day. It was Adam or somebody who was working there to say, oh, you know, uh, an appointment opened up this Friday. It was like a Thursday. And it was like, an appointment opened up tomorrow. Do you want it? Do you want to move your appointment up? And I was like, yeah. But it was, I remember being completely terrified, you yeah. know. And, um, you know, I went in and I got my first uh, two tattoos. Uh, I got sparrows on the inside of my arms. And um, cool. just haven't turned back, you know. Yeah. Yeah, just have, have you know reached been lucky enough to get tattooed by a lot of really cool people which you know just like the history of tattooing it's more the memories from those tattoos and a lot of times are more important than the actual artwork itself you know uh you mentioned your first tattoo yeah well do you, any others that stand out or that are kind of favorite uh, of yours or memorable in sure particular? yeah i have a bunch um let's see uh if I if I just start recently and go backwards, um, I got tattooed recently by a fella named uh, Crooked Ken. He was tattooing me, and uh, <laughs> yeah, right. I, I like the name. Yeah, not not necessarily the guy that most <laughs> yeah. people want to get tattooed get by based Crooked on the name, Ken, right? <laughs> but um, he's a really cool guy with a great outlook on life. Um, he tattoos primarily in Baltimore, but he was up in a shop that I believe he co-owns in New Jersey, and I reached out and he said, "Hey, I'd love to get a small tattoo," you know. Cool. And um, it was just so great, you know, he was sharing great stories, and we were laughing, and, you know, laughing while he's tattooing me, and I was thinking, you know, most of the time when you're getting tattooed, you want to sit still so that every line could be perfect, but I was thinking, I would love to be able to look at a crooked line and say, oh, I remember exactly why that line is crooked, the uh, story, you know, it's, so sometimes, you know, the, uh, again, the, 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 um, the, uh, the the memories that tattoos kind of remind you of are more important. Um, I got tattooed, uh, you know, my wife and I got matching tattoos after our uh, wedding and honeymoon um, to symbolize some things that we saw on our honeymoon as cool. well as, you know, some things that we experienced. Uh, or, I'm sorry, 
um, the tattoo is of it's of a fox, which we saw the night we got engaged. Oh, so cool. it's you know it's kind of a cool idea. And then we just kind of, you know, added some ideas from the honeymoon. Um, so that one always will will uh, you know bring back great memories. Um, I got a tattoo of a uh, caduceus, which is the medical symbol of the snakes uh, wrapping around the pole with the wings. Uh-huh. Um, I got that tattoo after the boston marathon bombing my brother was a uh still is is a doctor in the surrounding area and he was one of the you know he was at the finish line when the the bombing happened so you know after that and he made it out unscathed he was you know obviously saw some things that he wouldn't have wanted to see in you know that volume or under those circumstances but um you know after that happened i was like got to get a tattoo for, you know, got to get a tattoo for my brother. I'm going to go and, you know, get a, a tattoo to commemorate, you know, what he's done. So that one, um, that one was a big one. Uh, uh, I got a, uh, a, a hand poke tattoo or a Tabori tattoo done by, uh, uh, a guy from, uh, a, a Japanese fella, um, which was a really cool experience. Um, where as opposed to using it, well, he used a tattoo machine to outline the tattoo. Uh-huh. And then for all the shading and color, he actually had, you know, uh, he had a stick with, you know, a needle cluster on the end of it. And they just literally prick the the ink into your skin. And oh, that wow. was really, really cool experience. You know, just uh, was well worth, you know, getting it done. Do you design your own tattoos from time uh, to time? Or do, do you design tattoos in general? Or have images that can transition into tattoos. I've I've had people say to me, you know, I want to get a tattoo. Can you draw something up? And um, I think I've done it, you know, like ninety percent of the time. And I'll, you know, what I'll do is, you know, I'll make somebody a painting that, you know, can be tattooed or can be modified into a tattoo. So this way, you know, they're getting, you know, artwork from me as well as something they could bring to an artist and say, this is what I want. But, um, you know, what I always thought in my head was. If you're going to get a tattoo from a tattooer, if they're a good tattooer, they should be able to come up with with good art on their own. You know, I've never I've never walked into a tattoo shop and said, here's a you know, here's a picture that I drew that I'd like to get tattooed. Because at the end of the day, when you look at your own artwork, you kind of look at all the things that you want to pick apart a little bit. Yeah. So um, so I've never um, I've never looked at an image of my own and said, oh, I would I would gladly get this tattooed now. Yeah. But um, but yeah, I've. You know, it, and that was, that was, you know, I have like a list of things that I've done that I'm really proud of and, you know, designing tattoos for people has definitely been kind of on the top of that list. You know, when somebody said, oh, you know, I want to get a tattoo and I know you draw and paint. So if you could work something up for me, that'd be great. And it's always, you know, that's always a good feeling. It's, you know. When you approach something like that, is that different than a painting? Because, you know, like, I don't know if the person, does, did they tell you the body part that they're trying to get the tattoo on? And does that play a role in what you're creating? Um, you know, sometimes it has. Uh, sometimes with people, it'll be as simple as just coming up with a drawing. Um, I have a friend who lives out in Rhode Island who, you know, mentioned very specifically that he'd like something kind of, you know, like a... Uh, a design with a shark and a, uh, I think it was a shark and a tuna fish maybe with a, a tribal fish hook in the middle, you oh, know? Cool. So it was, you know, sometimes, you know, if people come with like a style that they want, it almost kind of makes it easier. Um, and I, th- you know, I, I don't, I'm not a tattooer, but I think I could look at something, you know, certain things and say, I know this wouldn't work as a tattoo, you know, let's, so if somebody comes with an idea, 
you know, I could say, oh, I think this is a great idea, but you're going to have to modify some things because I just, you know, I know enough to say, you know, this won't, you know, this won't work on, on somebody's, on your skin, you know. Mm. Again, I'm not a tattooer, but I've listened to, I've listened to enough tattooers try to explain to people why their designs won't work to right. where I could kind of pick up, you know, the mechanics, you know, and, and how that kind of works out a little bit. So, yeah. Um, you have a lot of exciting stuff going on. You also yeah. got a house recently. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Uh, where's yeah. Where's the house? Uh, it's out in an area called Rock Hill. Okay. Which is, um, it's an awesome, awesome area. It's, it's off of Route 17. Uh, going towards Binghamton from, you know, from Middletown. Uh, a little bit closer to Monticello than it is to Middletown. My wife teaches in Monticello, so okay. we had to um, we had to find something kind of halfway between. Yeah. And um, uh, so um, we settled on this area called Rock Hill, uh, more specifically uh, a neighborhood called Emerald Green. Okay. Which is just, you know, it's it's... The elevation is much higher than it is here in Beacon or even than it is out in, like, uh, Middletown or Wappingers or whatever. Uh So when I drive home from work, you know, uh, our neighbor, we get a lot more snow and a lot more cold weather, you know, up where we are. So when I'm driving home, I can see where, you know, it kind of transitions from, you know, the warmer climate to up by us where it's a little bit colder. I think we've gotten about maybe, like, two feet of snow this year. Wow. And, uh, but it's awesome. I mean, you know, I, I love having you know, different seasons. So it's, uh, we found a great spot. We found a beautiful house for a price that we were happy with. I'm going to get adult for a second. We got a great (laughs) mortgage rate, you know, we got a great mortgage rate that we were really happy with. The home inspection went well, you know, bought some fire extinguishers (laughs) for the kitchen, you know, real adult Uh. stuff, you know, (laughs) but, but that's, it's been awesome. Being a homeowner has been so far. It's been, it's been quite fun. You know, do you, uh, like cutting the grass and doing that kind of thing or do you dread that i do no i like cutting the grass i like pulling out you know weeds and tearing out bushes and figuring out how i could change things because it's it's ours you know it's our property so every little change that we make you know it's making our property look nicer so it's like you know it's you know before when i was renting you know we we lived in an apartment complex and there was just no pride in where we lived you know it's just we lived in, you know, one little chamber of the hive. Yeah. It wasn't ours. and But now, you know, every every little modification that we make is, you know, making our home a little bit better. Cool. Yeah. Um, what what are some cool spots, you know, or restaurants people should check out in Rock Hill? Um, I think, well, this would be pretty easy. We got about three restaurants. Um, there are, and two of them are pizza places. <laughs> um, there's one called... Uh, there's a place called Crust that makes pretty good pizza. You know, when I looked at the menu, um, th- you know, coming fresh off of our honeymoon, we ate a lot of great Italian food, and <laughs> I saw that Crust had um, burrata cheese on their menu. And I don't know if you've ever had burrata cheese. But I if, haven't. I don't. But it, I mean, it is the most delicious cheese. If you like, you know, like a really soft mozzarella. Yeah. Then burrata cheese just knock your socks off, you know. And I saw that on the menu there, and I thought, oh, this is a sign. This is our place, you know. But um, but aside from from crust, you know, there's a there's a bar called Dutch's, um, that's got decent you know bar food, you know, maybe a step above what you would expect from from most bars. Um, but other than that, there's really not a whole lot of places to eat, you know, to kind of put things into perspective. Um, 
we have a grocery store there called the Trading Post. All right. And, uh, you know, they have a they have groceries, you know, milk, eggs, you know, uh, pancake mix and all that stuff. And they have a little deli section, but maybe about a third of the grocery store is designated to hardware, you know. So you'll have, like, an aisle of Carhartt gear, and then next to that you'll have all of your hammers and saws and nails and stuff like that. So it's like, it's, you know... I say it, you know, lovingly, but it's kind of like your little Huckleberry hangout, you know. It's a really cool spot. And um, when I was there a couple of months ago, they had a uh, uh, they had a a clipboard with a petition to uh, petition Dollar General from coming to Rock Hill. Like it's a really they're trying to really uh, keep it, you know, protected. Small businesses. Small businesses. Yeah. And. You know, you could kind of read between the lines and say, well, obviously the Trading Post doesn't want Dollar General coming to town. But, you know, I signed it because I want to, you know, I want to keep Rock Hill just kind of, you know, small business and, you know. Preserve it how it is. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. You don't see too many places like that around, yeah. you know, so I felt good about it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's nice. Uh, no big corporations. Uh, no. No. Screwing things up. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there's no room for that stuff in yeah. Rock Hill anyway. I mean, I don't know where they would put it, you know. I mean, we have, if we, we you know, obviously we need, you know, if we need a larger grocery store, or, you know, if we need to make a run to Toys R Us because, you know, there's a new Star Wars figure coming out. <laughs> we could just roll out to Middletown or Monticello and yeah. get whatever, you know, the essentials and stuff like that. Yeah. So. <laughs> the essentials. Yeah. yeah. Um, who are some artists that influence you, that you were inspired by or are inspired by? Um this is, I think this is such a cool question because uh, when I think about the artists that inspire me, um, I don't necessarily think that it's always the style of their art that inspires me, but their lifestyle and the way they approach it. Um, I like a lot of, uh, uh, there's a lot of tattooers whose art I really appreciate, you know, going all the way back to people like uh, George Burchett, who's a... Um, he was a, a British tattooer who tattooed, you know, all over the world, tattooed a lot of royalty and came up with, you know, really great, awesome designs. You know, he was maybe tattooing in the turn of the night, uh, the turn of the 20th century. So pretty early on, he was making really cool images. Um, so George Burchett was a he was he was probably the first tattooer whose name I learned, who I who I said, you know, oh, this guy's. You know, this this stuff is special, you know. And then from there, I got into, you know, Sailor Jerry, um, whose name is actually Norman Collins, who tattooed uh -huh. out in um, Hawaii, you know, uh, during and after, you know, World War II when it was like a hotbed for crazy activity. Um, and again, just a really interesting character, um, just kind of a fascinating guy with a really interesting lifestyle who also happened to be a really talented artist. Yeah. Um, so uh, not, you know, not PC or anything like that, but, you know, uh, clearly a smart individual who, you know, carved out his niche and knew what he was doing. And, um, you know, there was always guys like uh, Ed Hardy, right. whose artwork is fascinating, who's a fascinating person beyond what you see on, uh, you know, a sweatshirt or a cologne bottle or a cigarette light or anything like that. I mean... The, all those images are great, you know. Those those things are all fantastic. Yeah. But um, I had a chance to go down to uh, Kings Avenue, which is a tattoo shop in New York City, 
uh, Ed Hardy was um, releasing a book by an old New York tattooer, and he was going to be at Kings Avenue with a bunch of his art on display. And um, so I, I traveled down there with a friend of mine named Adam. We had a chance to uh, see his art from his childhood right up until whatever he's been doing, you know, recently. Um, you know, have a chance to talk to Ed Hardy for a minute wow, and realize cool. that he's just kind of a he's just kind of a down to earth, laid back guy who you know just happened to really strike it big yeah uh, you know right place at the right time with you know the perfect art um but you know there's there's a you know there's another guy out and uh there's another tattooer who i kind of look up to um his name is tom devita and he currently lives in newburgh um i own one piece of tom devita art um and uh he's just kind of another guy whose lifestyle is you know, his art doesn't make sense. At least it didn't. It wouldn't make sense to me without understanding his lifestyle and where he was coming from and his history. Um, he tattooed on the Lower East Side when it was illegal and dangerous. Yeah. And, you know, now he lives in Middletown. I'm sorry, in Newburgh, where um, he displays his art from time to time. And, uh, you know, I was I've been lucky enough to see quite a bit of it. But again, you know, if I was if I had no idea who the guy was, and if I was just walking down the street and I saw it, it wouldn't really appeal to me. But, you know, learning about his history really kind of like you know really kind of hammered it in there um uh a friend of mine named adam owns a, a tattoo shop in wappingers which i know you're going to be visiting yeah shortly yeah. um and uh i think adam was a, a huge influence on me and again it doesn't necessarily have to be because of the the you know his style or anything like that but you know when i was first when i first decided that i want to make art for myself he was he was somebody who uh, who kind of showed me that, you know, the art world is something that you could approach and immerse yourself in. You know, it doesn't have to be something that's distant. You know, yeah. you could get in, you know, get into it, give it a shot, you know, create something and then put it out there for people to see. So, you know, I think he was, re I think I have a lot of influences, but I think he was probably the most important person um, for getting me to say, you know what, let me go out and try to make something myself, you know, because, you know, he went out and created you know plenty of things for himself for himself opportunities mm -hmm. art you know everything um and then i just you know not to go on and on about this but you know comics have been a huge inspiration um jack kirby who created you know essentially created marvel comics you know contrary to what stan lee would want you to believe but you know jack kirby was huge mike mignola who created hellboy um has been huge uh a real big influence jeff darrow who's uh, work is really precise and intricate and detailed. Um, there have been a lot of European creators like Mobius, um, who, who I know that Jeff Darrow was kind of a, you know, a protege of, maybe that wouldn't be the right word, but, you know, there's a guy named Mobius. Um, Enki Bilal is a big name that comes to mind. Uh, Jean-Claude Mezier uh, is, a, is a great, uh, has a great, you know, knack for comics. Um, uh, Juan Jimenez, and uh, Alejandro Jodorowsky, who, Jodorowsky, who did a, a comic called The Meta Barons, is a really, you know, something that I kind of look towards as inspiration. And, but there's, there's a million, you know, yeah. inspirations out there. It's kind of hard. You know, and again, they all have different styles, but you can kind of appreciate it all for what it is and pull what you can, whether it be, you know, style or content or things like that. And, you know, try to make it your own. I know also you're uh, a music fan. Yeah. Uh, are you... Would it be fair to say you're a metal guy? Total metal guy, yeah. yeah. Um, 
yeah, uh, I love metal, hardcore, punk. Um, I, you know, when I was maybe 23 or 24, I had the opportunity to go on tour with some friends who were in a band called Shy Halud. Yeah. Um, they used to live in, you know, they used to be from the Poughkeepsie area. And Big now band all... in the, yeah, Poughkeepsie hardcore yeah. scene. Huge, you know, yeah. huge band, especially, and that was right when, you know, Poughkeepsie hardcore was like at its, at its peak, right. you know, you had all these great bands, like All Out War, who's, yeah. you know, thankfully back together, but you had All Out War and Halud and... Dissolve. Dissolve, yeah. you know, who, who, you know, another band that's, you know, coming back to you. Right. Even bands like When Dreams Die and just all sorts of cool local bands yeah. that, you know, were awesome and would play regularly. But, yeah. um, you know, that's where it all started. And then it just, you know, kind of branched out from there. Um, I definitely, you know, I call myself a, you know, uh, like a metal fan and like a hardcore fan, but compared to the people that I know who are real, like diehard metal fans, yeah. you know, it's like, I feel like I'm, I've barely scratched the surface, but, um, you know, there's just so much great stuff out there. Um, uh, I, I, I tend to, you know, kind of latch on to things and, you know, really, you know, just kind of stick with, you know, bands or genres for a while. And, you know, I, I spend a lot of time on one thing before getting out into something else. Um, I was, I was just, uh, I love the band Mastodon. I yeah. don't know if you've listened to Mastodon much, Definitely. but um, I love the band Mastodon. And uh, one of their guitar players reached out to me uh, recently for a commission, which was oh, cool. just the coolest thing. You know, I we, we chatted briefly online and then, he, you know, he asked if I could make a painting for him. And I awesome. was like, how big, you know, what do you want? How big, you know, it was just like, you know, one of those things where it was, you know, just another one of those steps that I've taken that I was really proud of, you know. So that was pretty cool. That is really cool. Yeah. Um, when you're painting, do you have music on? And how is music related to the work that you're creating? Um, Would you say, if it is at all? Yeah. You know, I think that I've definitely had um, influences. You know, my work has been influenced by a lot of the music that I like sometimes and you know, sometimes it would be a theme from a song or a band that I've appreciated that I've put on paper. And, um, but I think when I, when I'm creating something, I typically, uh, I typically like to listen to something like a, I don't know, a podcast or some kind of a television show that, okay. you know, got some kind of cool dialogue that I can kind of listen to. So you're not rocking out while you're... Not yet, you know, yeah. maybe sometimes, but for the most part, you know, I either like to, uh, you know, listen to, like I said, a TV show or to listen to a movie that I've seen a bunch of times that, yeah. you know, I know exactly what's going on, but, you know, I gotcha. can picture it in my head while I'm hearing, you know. Almost like a meditation. Exactly. Kind of yeah. Yeah. Um, so what's next for you in terms of painting? Uh, do you have, what are you working on now? And, you know, what are your goals and what do you hope to accomplish in the future? I, you know, I'm kind of realizing that you know, the more that I kind of stick with it, um, the more opportunities kind of present themselves, you yeah. know, it's like, it's, I try to go out and, and, and create new opportunities, but, you know, I think being productive and, and having a large body of work has been really important. Um, like I was saying before, um, I'm going to be displaying a lot of paintings at, uh, a tattoo shop in Rosendale called, uh, Guts and Glory, which I'm really excited about. Cool. Um, I have uh, a couple of, I'm working on other paintings and I have a body of work that I want to submit to a, uh, a book project, um, that's done through a publisher called out of step yeah. and they, um, they just, uh, you know, they, it's a, 
it's run by again it's run by great people who um i got hooked up with them on facebook oh great uh, i think through you oh cool uh, but they have a lot of cool stuff. Yeah. A lot of cool stuff. Yeah, their books, I mean, you know, and again, you know, a lot of it might be tattoo art, but it, it's not limited. You know, it's it's certainly not limited to tattoo art, you know. Uh, most of their books are, you know, theme-based. So um, they have a book coming out uh, called, I think it's called Under the Sea, you know. And there will, of course, be a section of tattoo art. But uh, I have a lot of a lot of paintings that are in that theme. So I'm trying to work feverishly to get some stuff done for that, you know, some new stuff, some fresh stuff that I could submit to that, that'll hopefully get, um, accepted. Um, so yeah, I have to, I have to work on some paintings for that. Um, I want to work on some paintings for this, uh, you know, the, for the display that I'm going to have in Rosendale. Um, uh, some, I have, you know, friends in various bands that have, uh, reached out to me for artwork for, you know, shirts or whatever. Um, so I've got some work to do for things like that. I have a friend who's, who customizes his own action figures. Oh, cool. And last night we were going back and forth about, you know, uh, the artwork to put on the, the, the backing card. And I thought, what a cool thing that would be to do. So, you know, we're going to work on that. Um, you know, I, 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 there's, you know, there's just so much out there that, uh, you know, a, uh, a woman that I work with approached me about um, illustrating and painting a children's book that she's writing. So, nice. you know, that'll be, you know, a real challenge, but it's, you know, certainly something that I'm looking forward to sinking my teeth into. So definitely keeping busy with it all, which is exactly what I want. You know, there's no worse feeling than finishing a painting and then having no idea what you're going to do next. You yeah. Know? So it's like there's something so comforting in having a, a pile of, of projects. You know, I love it. You have a ton of exciting stuff going on yeah. in your professional life and in your personal life. Absolutely. Uh, is there anything you wanted to talk about that I didn't ask? Um, you know, I think you just about hit on it. All the the fun stuff that I wanted to talk about. It's you know, it's just fun to talk about. You know, the the great uh, the great opportunities that life can provide you with. Yeah. You know, as long as you're willing to go out there and find them and, and work for them. So it's yeah. Um, it's it's really nice to focus on you know life personal life and you know creative life and things like that and not get bogged down with all the other negative things that are out there so you know things are good awesome man yeah well it was great talking with you i appreciate you coming in yeah hey and again i i do want to say too that i think that what you're doing with your podcast oh, with thanks, the paper man. i think it's all awesome Thank um you. coming from the point of view of somebody who's producing art and you know always looking for you know ways to share it you know you've helped me out and i appreciate that and uh you know um just as you wouldn't exist without artists you know we would have a much harder time doing what we're doing you know if it wasn't for people like you that's you know helping you know spread the word i appreciate that and uh yeah man there's so many creative minds in this region and this you know part of the state oh yeah and, you know, uh, the towns are so separated, so sometimes we don't know that each other exists. Right. So that's kind of the mission statement or yeah. the purpose of what we're doing is yeah. to get their stories out and to bring uh, the artist community together. Right. So, I, I, you know, I appreciate you saying that because yeah. that's kind of our goal in yeah. what we're doing. And you've obviously been – I mean, I, you've been working hard at it. I mean, you know, I noticed that uh, I was in New Paltz, you know, a few months ago, and I saw a copy of the transmitter in Lemongrass, and I was yeah. like, oh, man, there it is. You know, yeah. wow. And, um, you know, uh, 
friends of my parents have said have seen the transmitter around. I don't know if it was Beacon or Fishgill, oh, cool. but they've seen it around and they said, oh yeah, you know, they've recognized, they've seen, you know, my work on the cover of the transmitter in you yeah. know, places, local places, and it's just, it's you know, it's really an honor to to be able to, uh, you know, to to be a part of it. So no, oh, thank, thank you, you. No, awesome. Again, thank you for coming in. Uh, pleasure speaking with you. Yeah, and uh, let's let's keep talking. I'm sure you got, you'll be back. Oh, of course, you got it. You got uh, it. All right, man. Cool. Thanks. Thanks, Mark. You can check out Mark Darnabid's work on his Instagram and Facebook pages, as well as at local galleries throughout the Hudson Valley. Tune in next time when I talk to Claudio Gilliberti, proprietor of Long Lombardi's Italian restaurant in Wappingers Falls, who's recently celebrating the 35th year in business. Peace out, Transmodians.